0: This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of uh, uh, having uh, Roni Niteki, who is a first-year clinical fellow in gynecologic oncology at MD Anderson Cancer Center, now on her third year of fellowship overall. Um, Roni has uh, published extensively already in her early academic career, And um, the topic of this discussion is going to be on outcomes of the first pregnancy after fertility sparing surgery for early stage ovarian cancer published in the June issue of obstetrics and gynecology. So, Ronnie, thank you so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule as a fellow uh, in June uh, to uh, speak with me about this uh, article. Thank you.
1: Thank you. It's my um, absolute
0: pleasure, and I'm very honored to be here with you. So, Roni, thank you. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to start with, um, obviously, uh, the topic of ovarian cancer generally is one that we discuss uh, usually uh, related to postmenopausal women. Um, but you, you, you know, your focus on this uh, paper is in much younger population. So, I was wondering if you can tell us as to the relevance of the study in the context of uh, young patients with ovarian cancer?
1: I think that's an excellent question. Indeed, this paper focuses on the approximately 10% of patients who are diagnosed with ovarian cancer when they are younger than 45, um, and still in their reproductive years. While ovarian cancer is always a devastating diagnosis. In a premenopausal woman, there's an added layer of potentially losing the ability to bear biologic children. Um, and in our society where women are delaying pregnancy for a variety of reasons, often very good reasons, this clinical scenario becomes increasingly relevant and important to consider.
0: So let me ask you, in, in this manuscript, uh, you, uh, you mentioned that cancer survivors are less likely to conceive than their peers. Um, why, why do you think this is actually the case?
1: That is also a really good question, and one that is somewhat complicated to answer. So, there are multiple studies, particularly from Europe, where they have been able to use these large population databases to compare cancer survivors to their siblings. And they found that the relative probability of parenthood after cancer is about 50% lower. Um, compared to the siblings. Um, And even in studies of fertility-sparing surgical and medical approaches that don't even focus on this question, it is clear that a significant percentage of patients um, have no desire to conceive after treatment, even though survey studies demonstrate that when you ask a young woman before treatment, um, most of them will say that they are interested in pregnancy. So there certainly may be medical reasons that a cancer survival will not attempt pregnancy, uh, recurrence being one of them or comorbid conditions that result from cancer treatments. But I think for some, there are other unforeseen barriers that are surrounding the idea of pregnancy. So, for example, a systematic review of um, studies of patients with breast cancer found that avoiding pregnancy after cancer was often related to the fear of the risk of pregnancy and adverse pregnancy outcomes. And I think that really highlights why we were interested in this question of obstetric outcomes after ovarian cancer. Because if childbearing is the purpose of a non-standard of care treatment option, mm-hmm. then not desiring that outcome may reflect hesitancy and fear about what happens in pregnancy, and so we wanted to present data that would aid in shared decision making about fertility sparing surgery for ovarian cancer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that totally makes uh, sense. Um, and you know, when you when you embarked on on this study, what was already known in the literature regarding obstetrical data and ovarian cancer survivors? And where would you say was the biggest gap in knowledge?
1: So systematic reviews have found that if a patient wants to conceive after fertility sparing surgery for ovarian cancer, she's often able to do so with a live birth rate that ranges somewhere between 76 and 96%. But there are many more nuanced pregnancy outcomes that really have not been very well delineated. Because ovarian cancer is rare in young women, um, and not every woman will elect to undergo fertility spring surgery, and then let's say half of those women decide that they want to conceive, you end up with a really small number that ends up getting pregnant. And so most observational studies that examine what happens um, after fertility spring surgery um, really don't have enough numbers to make robust conclusions about pregnancy outcomes.
0: And um, And in looking at this study, Um, What was the primary aim um, that you wanted to address? And and I was wondering if you could also expand on the secondary outcomes.
1: So the primary outcome was preterm birth at less than 37 weeks. Mm -hmm. But we also examined preterm birth at less than 32 weeks, uh, low birth rate Fetal demise, uh, mode of delivery, meaning vaginal delivery versus C-section, um, and severe maternal morbidity as defined by the CDC. And finally, we also looked at neonatal morbidity.
0: Okay. And, uh, and for this, you used uh, the California Cancer Registry and the California Office of Statewide Health Planning and Development Datasets. So, um, can you share why did you use this database and what was the time frame that you used?
1: There is no singular population-level database currently that focuses on both oncologic characteristics and obstetric outcomes in the U.S. So we essentially created a database that allowed us us to examine pregnancy outcomes in reproductive-aged women who underwent fertility-sparing surgery by linking the California Cancer Registry, um, which has been collecting data on incident cancer among California residents since 1988. Um, as well as the California-linked birth cohort, which is composed of patient-level inpatient, ambulatory surgery, and discharge data that are generated via uh, mandatory hospital reporting. So by linking these databases based on social security number, um, date of birth, and zip code, we were able to essentially follow patients from their cancer diagnosis to a subsequent delivery. And our data spanned January 2000 to December 2012.
0: Okay. And where, was there any segment of the population that you particularly excluded from, uh, from this analysis?
1: So the linked birth cohort um, excludes deliveries that occurred in military facilities, um, home deliveries, out of state deliveries and deliveries at birthing centers that don't report to the California Office of Statewide Health Planning and Development. Mm-hmm. So, if a California resident delivered in another state or had a home birth, et cetera, that she would not be represented in this database.
0: In the database, yeah. Uh, and um, was um, also wondering the time of inclusion of the data collection around the pregnancy.
1: Yeah, thank you for this question. It is really important to understand that one of the limitations of the linked birth cohort is that it only includes the nine months before delivery to one year after delivery. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, very well. Um, And with regards to the, uh, you know, certainly I I understand you you also focus on um, first post-diagnosis birth, excluding secondary births or later births. Uh, can you tell us as to why you did that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We wanted our analysis to focus on the pregnancies that were closest to cancer treatment because those are the pregnancies that are most likely to be impacted by it. So pregnancy, like everything else in medicine, is always kind of impacted by, you know, the pregnancy before that. And so we thought if we kind of focus on the pregnancy that's closest to cancer treatment, we had a better shot of kind of... Um, looking at really outcomes that could be related to cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and your control group, who, who was that?
1: So the control groups, um, it was derived from the over 3 million patients who delivered in California during the study period and who did not link to a record in the California cancer Registry. Okay. Um, and we use the same kind of selection criteria for both the control group and the case group. And so, what that means is that we excluded patients um, with births that didn't have a delivery date, those with a delivery before 20 weeks gestational age, and um, patients that had implausible combinations of live birth and gestational age.
0: Okay. And before we get into the uh, to the results, um, one of the factors you evaluated was, I believe you mentioned neonatal morbidity. Um, but how, how did you define that?
1: We adapted our definition of neonatal morbidity from the ARRIVE trial by Grobman and colleagues. Um, that trial randomized over 6,000 pregnant patients to either induction of labor at 39 weeks or expectant management. So, the presence of neonatal morbidity in our study was defined as the presence of either uh, need for respiratory support within 72 hours after birth, hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, seizures, infection meconium aspiration syndrome, birth trauma, or intracranial hemorrhage.
0: Okay. So then now on to the the punchline, the main main findings. You have evaluated the outcomes of the first pregnancy after fertility-sparing surgery in patients with early-stage ovarian cancer. What did you find?
1: 153 patients met inclusion criteria. Um, The most common histology, about 55%, was epithelial, followed by 37% that had a germ cell tumor, and 7% that had a sex cord stromal tumor. Only 27% of the cohort received chemotherapy, and as expected, no one in this cohort received radiation. We were able to match 153 cases to 306 controls in a one-to-two ratio with good covariate balance. Um, The median time from cancer diagnosis to pregnancy was 25 months with a range of 3.4 to 136 months, and we found no statistically significant difference in the rate of preterm birth less than 37 weeks between the women in the case and control groups or in any of the other studied outcomes. Um, in subgroup analysis, we examined whether time after diagnosis, receipt of chemotherapy, and histologic subtype affected the outcomes, and really we found that these were all consistent with the primary analysis.
0: Great. So uh, you, you draw the conclusions that patients who conceived at least three months after surgery for early stage ovarian cancer did not have an increased risk of uh, any adverse obstetrical outcomes. So obviously it's very, very important. And, and one of the things that I wanted to, um, to ask you, um, in, in your discussion, you talk about the reasons as to why other studies have shown different results from yours. Um, Why?
1: So first, I think one of the most important things of this study is that we really only include patients with ovarian cancer. Other population-based studies jointly analyze patients with ovarian cancer and patients with cervical cancer. Mm. For example, one such study found that women with a history of reproductive cancer had a greater absolute risk of preterm birth compared to match controls. But this difference may have been driven by the 30% of cervical cancer survivors who delivered prematurely in that cohort. So it's hard to really draw the conclusion that it's the ovarian cancer patients um, who had the adverse outcomes. And moreover, because of our strict case definition, we really only included cases who conceived after their treatment, unlike prior reports that included patients who were diagnosed with cancer during pregnancy. And the reason that's important is that patients who are diagnosed with cancer pregnancy or postpartum is a group that is likely at higher risk for adverse obstetric outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, And because we use data from the California Cancer Registry, our estimates may be more accurate than population-based studies that identified cancer diagnosis based on ICD codes only. Yeah.
0: And what would you say if you were to highlight the limitations of your study?
1: I think most importantly... While we we were able to you know have a a series with more um, patients and some of the bigger reports out there, our sample size is still quite small, and we can't exclude that our study was underpowered to detect clinically meaningful differences. Um, in addition, we use propensity score matching to match um, the controls to the cases, but propensity score matching really only controls for measured covariates, so we can't exclude the possibility that unmeasured covariates like smoking history of preterm birth and maternal BMI may modify the associations between a history of ovarian cancer and each of the adverse outcomes. Um, Another important limitation of the data set that we already touched on is that the database really includes only the nine months before and one year after delivery. So we are unable to address miscarriages or deliveries prior to 20 weeks, which likely would have been underreported. So if a miscarriage would have occurred close to the time of the new conception, it may have been captured by the discharge data, but in most cases, we really wouldn't be able to capture it in our database. And I think that's a really important outcome that patients might have questions about that we really can't address with the study.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to um, ask you with regards to a point you brought up earlier was the issue of uh, the fact that approximately 50% of women never try to conceive. Is there anything that we as physicians can provide in terms of uh counseling um so that we potentially could change these uh these figures
1: so i think first of all this is an area that really needs to be studied more it comes up repeatedly in most studies that look at rates of pregnancy after fertility sparing surgery so i think first of all there really needs to be dedicated focus to this issue um to really help patients kind of sort out um, what they're afraid of and what their concerns are and what their barriers are. I think one of the um, big underlying issues that I've seen in the literature is fear of adverse pregnancy outcomes, which I'm hoping this study helps address at least for patients with ovarian cancer um, that undergo fertility surgery. There are some other um, concepts that come up routinely, I would say, kind of in reviewing the literature. So one of them is fear of passing cancer to a baby, which in this circumstance is probably irrelevant. Um, Some patients have expressed fear of being a patient again. You know, they spent so much time being a cancer patient and then they don't really want to be an obstetric patient. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for some patients that that is a very valid concern. And some patients express fear of how pregnancy may affect cancer, um, which I think is really important, especially in um, hormonally mediated cancer. And then, of course, there's the issue of financial toxicity. So many patients um, have financial hardships just in relation to their cancer treatment. And then having a baby is another thing that can lead to you know, further financial hardship. So I think that's also something to discuss with patients.
0: Really interesting. Um, and one question that may come up um, in these discussions is how long should a patient who has completed her treatment for early ovarian cancer wait to try to conceive?
1: Yeah, data guiding the timing of pregnancy after cancer treatment are very limited in this population. Um, It has been suggested that cancer patients, and particularly those who receive chemotherapy, um, should postpone conception until 12 to 24 months after treatment completion. In our study, we did not find that chemotherapy recipients or those that delivered within a year of diagnosis had higher frequencies of adverse events. Um, so, in other words, our study suggests that conception after completion of treatment is safe. But, of course, these analyses are limited by sample size. And these important questions should be investigated in future studies with longer follow-up times.
0: Yeah. And, um, Ronnie, one of the things that we, we do have uh, uh, often many patients who listen to our podcast. And, and I wanted to ask you, for, for the patients who are listening who perhaps might have just completed treatment for early ovarian cancer, wondering about future fertility and obstetrical outcomes, what will be your conversation with them? What will be your discussion with those patients?
1: I would hope that these data uh, could reassure patients considering fertility spring surgery that pregnancy following ovarian cancer treatment is not associated with an increased rate of preterm birth, neonatal morbidity, cesarean section, or severe maternal morbidity. Yeah,
0: really very, very important message to to those patients. And then similarly, wanted to ask you about the message to your colleagues, to gynecologic oncologists who will be counseling young women with early ovarian cancer um, who inquire about future fertility and obstetrical outcomes. Uh, based on these results, what will be your message to those um, gynecologic oncologists?
1: I think the message would be that, this part of the conversation is very important to have when discussing fertility sparing surgery. So it's not enough, I think, to talk about kind of the potential of bearing children in the future, but actually taking it a step further and saying, what will your future pregnancy look like? Because I think a lot of patients maybe feel like they can't ask their oncologist that question, but if you are offering, you know, a a fertility sparing surgery, then This should be part of the conversation. Um, And I would say that at least our data
0: um, would suggest that it's safe. Fantastic. So, Ronnie, thank you so, so much. Uh, I know that you have to uh, get back to work. Uh, I really want to congratulate you again uh, on another really very important uh, publication. Um, Congratulations for all the hard work and uh, all that you have already contributed to the field of gynecologic oncology. Uh, looking forward to many more important manuscripts from, from you. Thank you. Oh,
1: thank you so much. It's a pleasure to speak with you.